Hey everybody, welcome to the hairdresser and the professor podcast. I'm Diana. I'm a salon owner for the last 25 years. And I'm Elena, a chemistry college professor. We're two women who have never met in person and have connected only through social media. I'm just saying goodbye to my forties. I'm just saying hello to my thirties. I'm from California. I live in Missouri, but I'm originally from Colombia. We are both enjoying our second marriage. We're stepmoms, biological moms, and I'm an adoptive mom. Together, we encompass modern blended motherhood. We both have four-year-olds and teens. We both deal with some anxiety and we both manage it with body movement. We both love to chase down joy and have fun. That's right. We've both gone through dark times when it comes to not being able to accept ourselves or our bodies. We both believe in loving our bodies where they're at today. To sum it up, we're women struggling, striving while navigating this complex and beautiful gift of life. So we're hopping on the mic on Wednesdays to lift you up midweek with vulnerability, honesty, and a dose of mom humor and motivation. Welcome to the hairdresser and professor podcast. Get started today. We are talking about, um, it's, it's, it's strange because it's not trauma and how it affects us, but it's our children's baggage and how their baggage, especially in a blended family, yes. can take such a big toll on, on us as mother figures. Yes. And uh, so that's our, that's, our, that's, our, that's our main topic today, right? Yes. So we're talking about raising other people's kids and they have become your kids that you love and care and cherish and you live with them. And so you are dealing with their past traumas and how it plays out in your family, in my family, in your family, in other people's hands. You know, I went for a walk with a girlfriend this morning. I was explaining to her how excited I was to talk to her about this, because this isn't something I hear talked about a lot, but I know that with the drug epidemic that we have in this country, there must be a lot of people that are raising other people's kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know that for sure, just because I've been in the, in the foster care system, have adopted out of it, have raised foster children, the four of them, that there's a lot of people that are going through this. So I think it's a really hard thing. And I know your kid, you know, you're, that's not necessarily exactly the case for your kids, but it, these kids go through traumas that we didn't inflict, but we're mm-hmm. definitely trying to love them through it. Yes. And the, the thing about it is that, you know, most parents understand that there is a, there's a level of things that you can't control when it comes to your children. Mm-hmm. But when, when we're adding into the mix, raising other people's children, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a different array of uncontrollable things. Right. Uh, and, and that can really make things more uh, challenging because you will take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost impossible if you care that much to not take of course yeah the, the, the things they do personally right sure and uh, and the the connection that we we're gonna discuss is how does it affect us in our journey of self respect how does it affect our self image mm-hmm. how does it affect our sense of self worth when mm-hmm. all of these things sometimes happen simultaneously. To where you're putting your best effort and your best effort it's not good enough it's not good enough yeah. okay i'm gonna get to the meat of the issue because i'm pretty um open to share about what's going on in our household so i'm gonna go for a little bit 
Um, and I, I have to preface this by saying that some of this is my adopted daughter's story, so I cannot disclose all of it. Um, and I have to be very careful, you know, you and I want to be vulnerable and we want to be able to share, but at the same time, there has to be a line in the sand where we're respecting our loved one's privacy as well. And, um, I do want to share how things affect me, but I cannot share every single detail. That's just that that's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. So what's going on in our household is I adopted Mia out of foster care prior to marrying my current husband. I was actually married to my ex-husband. So Mia came in and I was married to another guy who was toxic and challenging. And it was a challenging marriage. And it basically was a last ditch effort on our part to sort of save our marriage, which was stupid. That's a whole other podcast, but we brought Mia in and immediately we separated and divorced. So then I'm a single mom adopting Mia. And then Thomas comes into the picture and he's lovely and awesome. And he's like, takes us to this whole nother level. And he's an amazing dad. And Mia's had for the last six or seven years, this badass life for the most part, stable home, <clears throat> parents aren't arguing plenty of food in the fridge, et cetera. Right. With the normal ups and downs. She also was taken away from her mom by child protective services when she was four or five for the first time and has memories of her mother and was never able to meet her birth father. <clears throat> okay. Last spring, while on a girl's getaway trip to relieve my anxiety, I find out when I've gotten home that two things have happened over the weekend. Number one, we find out that Mia's mom has passed away and we don't know how or why, or even if it's true, really, we just know that that's the word on the street is that she's passed away. And also birth dad has reached out and wants to be in contact with Mia. So that seems a little weird because we didn't think that they were in contact. And then we're like, Oh, you know, we're assuming like they must be in contact. This is so weird. Okay. What does this mean? And she had serious addiction issues and lots of other issues six years ago that have only progressed. So I didn't want to bring birth father into the picture. If he was still in that lifestyle, or I didn't know anything about him. Mm-hmm. The only thing I knew about him was that he was very young when Mia was conceived and that when CPS reached out to him, he was in a master's program and he was working on his education. We also found out his name and did a little sleuthing around and found out he was a marathon runner. He'd since had children, etc. cetera. Um, that's all we knew. So our minds are like, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do we tell Mia she's doing so good in school? What should we do? Mm -hmm. We didn't know what to do. So we decided to put a pin in everything and wait until summer. Um, let her get through the school year. She was graduating from eighth grade. And so we did, we waited until she has her adoption day. She had July 4th after all that stuff was done and the school year was done. She, she graduated with straight A's. We told her. Meanwhile, we started talking to birth dad. Turns out the two things were not connected. Birth dad hasn't had anything to do with birth mom, did not know about birth mom dying, is a totally different guy than birth mom, has two other children who are her sisters, and was able to find Mia on 23andMe, which is the uh, biological, you know, find out your heritage thing. So we're like, really, can that be true? So then we were like, okay, well, my husband was like, let's just put a pin in this whole thing until she's 18. Let her deal with it. And I am like, no, we have to, she's 14. She could have four years of knowing her little sisters. She could have four years of knowing this guy if he's amazing. But then my husband's like, 
but he could be a serial killer. And I'm like, that's true. (laughs) So we decided that we would ask Mia what she wanted to do. And we asked her and she said, wow, I think I want to meet him. And I'm like, okay. And then also we told her that her mom passed away and she was like, wow, I'm really sad and angry and pissed. So it's quite a summer and dealing with like the things that she went through. We ended up meeting Frank, her birth dad, um, without her had a great conversation with him. He was able to fill in a lot of the blanks, make us feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. He told the truth, which was really important to us because we knew the truth because we had the court documents, but he was a truth teller. He wasn't one of those people that was like, you know, I, I'm going to make myself look good. And we felt comfortable enough to let him meet our daughter. And so that's happening this weekend. And so if you think there's not a lot of emotions and like, I'm just like acne and like, I want to eat everything and I'm having a hard time sleeping. And I'm like, is is this the right thing? Is this not the right thing? Is you know, so it's a lot of stuff. So that's, what's going on in our house. Wow. How, um, so we can edit this far out. Do we want, do you want me to comment on what you are sharing or do you want me to share what I'm in in my house? You can do either one. You both or either one, whatever you like. Oh, okay. That's yeah. You share as much as you want. And, and I've shared as much as I want. Obviously there's other things that I already told you off record that happen that I'm not going to share about. Yeah. Um, because I just feel like that's, um, that's her private story. Yeah. And, um, I don't want to put it out there. Okay. I was just mostly because I felt that I was just going to share where we, where I was at and then together, which is, yeah. I don't know how it is affected us. So in our home, I would say probably one of the uh, most challenging things about our blended family is that in, um, I married my husband and not even six months later after I married him, the, my, my stepchildren's mom passes away uh, suddenly, unexpectedly. And I went from, we went from, oh, my dad just got married to this Colombian girl to, oh, this Colombian girl, now it's the mom in the house and we're living with her all the time. And for the most part, it's been a lot of ups and downs, but the most recent uh, experience that I had last week was that, um, that it was, it, it was the, the, the anniversary, the death anniversary of my, of my kids' uh, life. And I, so I've been in this journey of self-care and self-awareness and all things bring those emotions up and deal with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I did not make any connections on the very difficult week that I was having. I was having um, my husband and I do not argue. Michael and I do not argue regularly. We were arguing almost every day. We normally don't fight and we've been right. like arguing and then I've been moving my body. Yes, moving my body, but very, a lot of lack of interest. I'm very active on social media. I was not feeling it last week and said, I'm just going to take a break. And yeah, so come Saturday night and my oldest uh, comes and reaches out and he's like, hey, so what are we doing tomorrow? I'm like, what do you mean? What are we doing tomorrow or Sunday? We just do our thing. 
well, yeah, but you know, for mom. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Boom. This yeah. eye opening moment of this is why I've been having such a hard week. And mm-hmm. uh, why was I not? Uh, well, I'm not very aware of dates. And that's, uh, it's just, it's just different. Her birthday is such a huge priority. Like I would not miss her birthday. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, but the actual day, it, I almost always forget it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, 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 it is a, it is a situation in which most of the time I never feel like I'm not their mom. Uh, on the day to day, the in and the out after, you know, almost seven years of being their stepmom and having the role that I have in their life, I don't feel it. And, uh, but when it comes to that particular day, it feels selfish and self-centered, but it makes it very difficult for me to just acknowledge the fact that they miss her so much and that, uh, I know I will never take her place and that's not my intention, but it feels so real mm-hmm. to know that. And I become more, uh, more, how would I say, more uh, insecure about who I am, mm-hmm. more insecure about the good things about myself. And I can, I could feel that the entire week, right? Like maybe I'm just not doing the right program. I'm not doing the right nutrition. And it just like sifts through so that, that my own trauma of the situation just kind of got into the spaces of my days until mm-hmm. I was able to recognize, wow, so this is why it's been so much difficult because it really does take me into this uh, role of could I ever measure up? And the thing about this situation too is that the uh, could I ever measure up you're measuring up to someone that in my children's eyes is perfect because that's that's what that's what a child sees them up right so that's what they see and yeah. and and then also we've protected them from a lot of the truth of you know yeah. it's not like you sit around and bag on that parent i don't know well and, and the thing is that even if you were to point out anything they were so little they were 9 and 11 Sure. Maybe the seven-year-old will have a little more awareness, but for the most part, as a child, you don't, because when you grow up, I feel like as I, as we grow up and we're into our teenage years is when we start to actually see our parents as real people. And then we mm-hmm. start going into adulthood and we see mm-hmm. them as, oh, they're, they're actual people and they mess up. Mm-hmm. But if, if you, if you don't have that, uh, it's like this newer movie on HBO. What is this movie called? Um, Dear Evan Hansen. Yes, it's like reminiscence. You're stuck in this memory of perfection. You're the 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 children are stuck in these memories of happiness and joy with her, and mm-hmm. you're here this raw, real, um, all kinds of emotions and all kinds of human, and and then it's like, uh, would I ever measure up? Would I ever measure up? And it took a toll in my mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. Which is understandable. I think even when it's, it's an ongoing thing that you're parenting your child through or your children through. Um, I know sometimes I just feel like, can someone else like 
take the wheel. Like, I think there's a Carrie Underwood song, Jesus, take the wheel. It's like, the wheel. seriously, like, I, I don't know. Like also, you know, my husband doesn't want to communicate with Frank via text because he's, I don't know. I can't really speak for him and explain why, but he's let me do all the texting. But then sometimes he's afraid that I'm like, he's like, I don't know how much you're texting. Mm-hmm. Are you over texting? And I'm like, you can read whatever you want. And I I've gotten to the point now where everything I write back and forth with Frank, I just show it to Thomas so that he can be in the loop. But I basically feel like, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, you know, like Frank has now come in and he's like, Hey, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, school's starting. Can I get her a MacBook? And we're like, we, we could use that. That'd be great. But is that the right thing? Is that going to make, you know, there's all these things like, is that going to make her feel like she's obligated to like this guy? And maybe she doesn't, maybe she's going to be angry with him. And then she feels like she can't express her. It's just like all this stuff, you know, and then Mm -hmm. all these decisions and trying to make the right decisions on behalf of these children that you love and care for so much. Um, it's a lot. And the way that you and I both cope is through probably overeating and watching Netflix. And, uh, for me, it's just been, I checked out. I really did check out low last week on, on myself, on my own goals. So, and I mm-hmm. didn't, you know, it's, it's, you can see the ripple effect or the compound effect of the consistency of the work I've done. So I didn't regress sure. in, in to like, like years ago when this has happened every year for the last seven years. Right. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the struggle it's real for every, at least that this week, this first week, first two weeks of September is always a struggle. Um, and, and I didn't react the same way. I didn't behave the same way. Um, mm-hmm. Like I did not be improved like I would normally do. Uh, and I definitely bounced back faster. Like once mm-hmm. I was able to pinpoint, like that's the thing about trauma is that it triggers, you don't even know why. So you, mm-hmm. it triggers certain behaviors and unless you're mastermind awareness, you don't even make connections. Mm-hmm. And at least personally, with my personality type and just who I am, as soon as I find out, like, oh, this is why I feel this way, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of power comes back and yeah. a lot of self control comes back. And then this time around, I was able to bounce back and then I'm like in a whole different level of. Mm-hmm. Of, of awareness and I do not feel the same way as I feel last week and I am not arguing with my husband for the, the small things we were arguing before and mm-hmm. so it's the, the the power that comes and I honestly do believe that it is the result of continuous self-care throughout that makes you help to bounce back a little faster when the mm-hmm. curveball comes and then you just mm-hmm. bounce back and and it doesn't feel as overwhelming to get back to it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has, how has this situation affected your personal journey of caring for yourself? Well, 
a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of doubting. Am I good enough to handle this? Am I mature enough? Um, and you know, it's the things that your head thinks, but your heart knows is like right or wrong or whatever, but a lot of like that kind of stuff, you know, I, I mean, I asked my neighbors, do you think we should let him get a I got really hung up on the computer thing. Mm-hmm. I asked the neighbors, I asked friends, I asked my mom, my mom actually gave me the best advice. And my son said the same thing. My son's uh, 20, almost 20, he's an adult. And I asked him and he's like, you know, mom, I think you should ask her and tell her, here's the pros and cons. If you take this from him, you're not obligated to like him, mm-hmm. but you do need, he, she does need this because she's an artist and, and the old thing that she has, isn't going to work with the, like the new Apple pins or whatever. And I'm like, this is a great opportunity, but you don't have to take it. And of course she's like, of course I want it, you know, like, so, and it will be a good bridge for them. Huh? Did you already tell her? We asked her opinion and let her make the decision. And did she make the decision? Yeah. She said, yes, of course I want it. What did the, the, the bio dad say? Does he know yet? He knows he was, ex- he's, he was, ex- he's very sweet. We communicated back and forth through text. He's been sending me pictures of her sisters. And I, I told you that we met him for lunch Yeah, and he looks like her and he was nervous, but he's very sweet. And I believe sincere and we're trusting, you know, we're letting this man into our home and we're t- trusting after several conversations and a meeting and hearing his story and having him f- and seeing his reaction when he found out that you know, that Mia's birth mom had died seeing his reaction. I was like, the guy didn't know he was, he cried. He was in shock about it. And I feel like he's very heartfelt and he's very interested in Mia's future. And to me, there's a lot, there's a lot of different roads that my mind goes down, but the, the true center, my true North that I keep coming back to is that she had a really tough beginning of her first five years. Like the things she remembers are the worst things, the worst. And she doesn't have any misconceptions about her mom. She'll, you know, she always, when she first came here, she's like, well, my mom told me this, but my mom's kind of a liar or my mom did this, or like, we never had any food or there were bugs in our kitchens, like, like real severe poverty, food scarcity, all the things, all the things she went through all the things. I'm not even saying all the things, but you get it right. But at the same time, so because she knows that reality and she knows the real world, she also is like, what if this guy is like, great. And I'm like, yeah. And what if he's great? And he has a dad who wants to be her grandpa and she yeah. has great grandparents that are still alive and she's two little sisters. So what if this family could be an extended family for her? And she actually gets cherry on top people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she already has us. We're, we're badass but she could also have this cherry on top group of people that live in Utah and could, she could go ski with, and that could be come here for her graduation. And part of, she deserves it if it's available and it's possible and it could be healthy for her. I'm like, please let it work out. You know, please, at least it doesn't have to be like the most perfect thing, but at least please not be hurtful to her. Yeah. No, that's my hope. So Sure. Just like, I mean, plenty of anxiety, plenty of like cortisol, it's cortisol, the anxiety. That's the, you know, to, cause you're the professor, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's the release, the release, the stress. 
if you release cortisol, then you okay. What does it mean when you have stress, like just all in your body? What's the well, your cortisol levels go up, stress goes okay. up, cortisol levels go down, stress go down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I just feel like it's been up. It's been up for like six months. You know, and but this then is that, this weekend is com- coming, so I'm hopeful. So is that when she when she's getting the computer? He's coming here on Saturday to meet her. Is he in the same area as you? Uh-uh. He's in Utah. So he's flying okay. in for the weekend. You know, I have a friend and this, he says, you know, I just, I mean, all of the things that uh, non-biological parents do. And mm. I'm like, I know, because 100% of the things you have to do, you have to like literally take yourself what do you feel? What do you want? What you do you have to take the you out of the equation? It's the what would you do if this is my no, it doesn't matter. You're not doing it for you, it's not for you. The you there is the you it stops existing. And the that that you uh, sense of me as an individual, and I'm gonna do what's best for my life, which you do have as a parent of your own biological children, because after having my own, I know. Well, it's me. The me never disappears. Mm-hmm. But when it's about my uh, my stepchildren, my non-biological children, my the me, it's the smallest portion of it. What mm-hmm. I want, what I think, what I wish for them, what I hope for them, mm-hmm. it's, it belongs so much just to me because, you know, we can have these wishes and this hope that we have on our children and we act accordingly. You can't. Sometimes I can't. I yeah. can't the control that I would if they were my, my biological children. Mm-hmm. So, and you and I have a different situation. Self. You and I have a digi- different situation in that we don't have uh, a biological parent. In my case, I mean, I adopted, so those parents were out of the case. And then in my case with my stepdaughter, um, Erilyn, her mother passed. So I don't, it's not like there's another parent yeah. that is which in some ways it's good. Like, I don't have her like saying negative things about me or like, but I also am sort of competing with this person in Erilyn's eyes. That was perfect. Wait, that's what I say. It's like, it's, it's, it's a ghost. It's it's, yeah. Like um, who knows what your mom would be like if she was still alive competing with ghosts. Who knows what your relationship would be like, you knows how they would interact with the you that you are by me, you, my children, the you that you are right now, like you wouldn't know. And then like, my mom would never get mad. Well, you don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Your mom would. You don't know that because you don't know how she would react to the you that you are today. And I think the, the one of the only times that, uh, that we had a conversation, like you, my mom would not do this or she would totally do that and I'm like I don't know I don't know um like in simple things my youngest wants a tattoo and he's like you know when I turn 16 if parents say yes I can get my tattoo and I'm like so then he says if my mom was here she had tattoos she would have just let me have them and I'm like I don't know dude because it's very hard to tell so because and because it's hard to tell I'm not going to go off of this decision out of what you think would be and to, to try to make me be like, do I want to be cool enough like your mama? I don't know. But if it's up to me, at the end of the day, it's your dad's decision. That's been my favorite phrase to use 
for the last three years. The first four years of our marriage, I just took this very active, very choice-making role. And mm-hmm. then a lot of things happened where I, in life put me in my place and I had to take this back, mm-hmm. back, back, mm-hmm. huge step back on how actively I was deciding things for, for them. And that's just, I think that's just my favorite phrase. It's just, well, you know, I think it may be okay, but you just got to check with your dad. <laughs> I know. I and know. that, believe it or not, the small acts of, yeah, but, you know, it's not my decision to make. I'm just your stepmom. Like, I will bring up the 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 stepmom card. card yeah. So that I relinquish. And it's made our relationship stronger because then my husband was able to take back the parent role. He was so sweet to just help me find my place and to help me find my place. He just kind of like, well, we just do whatever life says. And we just kind of, you, you take the, you take the wheel. And then once the wheel was taking us into this crashing mountain roll, yeah. dying because I was just lost all sense of self and I did not mm-hmm. feel like myself in the decisions I was making it's like um nope this is not even my car why am I driving it yeah that's a great analogy that's a great analogy because sometimes it does feel like that it's interesting because it is really is God's work that you know to to and I know that you know we probably have a lot of people that are listening that are either ra- raising their grandkids raising their sister's kids, raising somebody else's kids, you know? And when I say it like that, it sounds like it's not like, oh, well, it's not, you know, you haven't like really adopted them into your heart. It's not true. Mia is 100% my child. Erilyn actually will be literally adopted this summer and she won't be my stepdaughter anymore. She'll be, I'll be like literally have, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but at the same time, you know, that you're, you gain all these things, some of them wonderful, some of them not so wonderful from the other people that parented them first. Yeah. yeah. So my heart goes out to people that are taking on, um, the very challenging and yet wonderful position of being a step parent or an adoptive parent or, 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 you know, maybe you are an auntie, a glorified auntie, who's like really, you know, a fairy godmother or fairy, you know, godfather, whatever. It's a lot. It is. And I, and I do think that, uh, the losing, I, I'm just going to stick to that analogy over and over again. It's not your car. You should not be mm-hmm. taking the wheel. You can be the co-pilot. You can say, Hey, we should turn left over here. We should mm-hmm. turn right over here. But being the one that's holding the steering wheel and turning, and as women, I feel like that's just very natural for us to yeah. feel like it's going to take the wheel. And then because I'm taking these children where I think they deserve to go. Right. But, but I think for us in our house, so we merged houses and I had my house and I was already running it. I had the three kids. I had Cooper and Scarlett, which were my biological kids from my divorce. And then Mia, who was my adopted kid. And then Erilyn came in the picture from a totally different household. She was late to school. She stayed up later. She, and this is all like, this was just 
how things were going over at their house. They ate differently. Um, there were different expectations with how you helped with chores. And so I had a way I was running my house and she kind of had to get absorbed into that. And I think in some ways it's been really good for her because she's learned the value of keeping her room clean and, um, how fun it is to like, be able to access your clothes because they're on hangers, like that kind of stuff. But then on the other hand, you know, I think she probably doesn't get as much time. Like she used to with her mom watching TV, her and her mom used to watch a lot of shows together and like kind of get into all that stuff. So, but I, to, to your point of it's not your car, I think I couldn't raise my three kids one way and then just leave Erilyn out in order to love her. I had to kind of like bring her under my wing and say, okay, this is how we do things in this house. This is how, you know, we all go to school on time and we, we get up and we, you know, we help each other and we do chores together. And it's kind of funny. Cause like we have a house that runs really well because we have a bunch of people that are adult sized people. So why wouldn't they be helping with dishes, with vacuuming, with all that kind of stuff. And so it is fun. Like when our house is sort of a mess and we're like, okay, guys, let's do our thing. And within like 15 minutes, the whole thing gets like Mary Poppins style cleaned up because they all know what they're doing. And so I had to like bring her under my wing for some of these things, but then there's other things that are coming up that you know, are really more, it really is more like more a topic for her and her dad, you know, like, like the other day she came, she came out of the house and she was wearing something a little more revealing. And I'm like, it's really up to your dad. That's good. And yes, because it's not that, I mean, if, if whoever is just listening, I think you get to know me a little bit. I am not the I'm not, it's not my problem. I am actually too getting myself into it. Right. But in our- Because home, we love them. It got to a point in which my husband's role was so in the background mm-hmm. that um, that I, we had to go to family therapy, my stepchildren and me, because they just didn't feel that I love them at all, right? Mm-hmm because of how desperate I was trying to fix them and that's mm-hmm. when I what I mean like I had to let go I had to stop saying uh, or or just setting the law directly so that was my my counselor's advice like just relay the message to your husband like just whatever you want whatever you need but let him let, let it be him the biological parent that comes in and takes over and gets gives this layout of how it's going to be and you will see Mm -hmm. because regardless of whether they like their dad or not right now or they like their dad or not at the very moment they've had him their entire life Mm -hmm. whereas they haven't had you and back then this this was just about three years into being stepmom so it wasn't that even that new like and it wasn't the this wasn't a situation where they had met me a long time ago, a long time yeah. ago, I literally yeah. met their mom, their dad on October, the previous year, we got engaged in January, and we got married in May, so it wasn't even a year, a full mm-hmm. year of knowing this stranger. Yeah, that, and then they're processing the most delicate traumatic time of their life, probably one of the most delicate traumatic times, going through adolescence and losing their mama. And then, yeah, 
you know, you're dealing with that and they're dealing with that. So you guys have really walked through a fire together. We have. Mm-hmm. Now the, the therapist was like, blended families that make it past the five years, they're, they're, they're going to make it. I was like, yep. oh, we still have three more to go. <laughs> You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And I, 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 I can feel the difference and see, and I see the difference in them. I can see the difference in our household dynamic. And like, like I said, it's just uh, one of those things that unless we are so self-aware, the trauma that our children have experienced, the trauma that they, it, it has generated ourselves can sift through those little cracks of our mm-hmm. life. Yep. And then uh, sometimes until we realize them, we won't even see them for what I they agree. are. And yeah. we're just going to see them for what we're not. Right. And it really can affect your self-worth. So it's important during that time. Like, I think we were texting on the phone and I was like, make sure next year you put it on your phone because maybe if you are reminded, okay, this is coming up, this is going to be a hard couple of weeks. Maybe you start pouring on the uh, self-help podcast, the, the uplifting books. Maybe you're watching something that just makes you like laugh your ass off mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something. Maybe, you know, that week is going to be a week where you're like, we are having healthy food brought in. I'm having someone else cook or whatever, yes. just so you're prepared for the trauma. The best advice because it's so simple. Like just put a calendar reminder mm-hmm. so that the date itself doesn't just creep in with the back to school, back to work, mm-hmm. back to everything after summer. And then you just get so busy that I, I, you don't even recognize it's mid-September already mm-hmm. for us. And the kids mm-hmm. being in school for a month. And then you're like, oh, okay, but we're finally getting a routine and boom, something happens, which is yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, I'm very hopeful that next year having that, I set it up to be five days before the date. <laughs> Good, good for and, you get that reminder of, oh, okay, this is happening. This is maybe be a little more aware of how you're feeling and then go from there. Hey friends, thank you so much for tuning in to the hairdresser and the professor podcast. Elena and I can be found on Instagram under that same name. And we just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. It means a lot to us to have a vulnerable place to share and tell the truth and find answers from each other and you guys. So please reach out. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next Wednesday.